This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay on Wednesday, February the 24th. Our top story today is that a treasurer who stole £37,000 from a Kent preschool has avoided being sent to prison. Kerry Goldsmith was taking the cash from the Owl and Pussycat preschool in Batchild near Sittingbourne. The 49-year-old from Lawrence Close in the village admitted more than 26 fraud charges. Well, today she's been given a suspended sentence and a six-month curfew. Our reporter, Paul Hooper, was in court. The judge, Philip Staffman, told him that staff had shown unswerving devotion to the three- to five-year-olds who were being cared for in a dilapidated mobile building, which often leaked and rainwater caught in buckets. He told her there was an irony that these children were being taught to learn between right and wrong, but that lesson had not seemed to be learned by Goldsmith. As a result of her de- deception, the charity school had to close and then merge with a nearby school. Staff morale plummeted, money for wages and books ran out, and the owl of the pussycat, he said, was no more. Jill McIver is chairperson of the charity. She was in court today for the sentencing and agreed to speak to the Kent Online podcast. I became chairperson of the charity in 2019. In June, I became acting chairperson and became chairperson in the October um, when the previous chairperson brought it to my attention that there was fraud and a significant fraud um, had been registered with the Charity Commission. Um, KCC got involved and promptly passed that on to the police. Um, We... In November 2019, had a meeting with DC Malthouse, who's been absolutely fantastic, um, to go through all the accounts and have a look. And once we started drilling into it and finding out the extent of the fraud, it was it was heartbreaking. And me, Lucy and Sally sat with him and the three of us cried because we just couldn't believe the extent of the fraud. And the deceit and the actual lengths that she's gone to to try and cover up and to try and actually get that fraud in place. Today, I think we were we were slightly upset at the suspended sentence because we all felt that it, it was it merited a custodial sentence. It really did. Um, I think over the last few weeks since she pleaded guilty, we've all said if, it, if she doesn't get a custodial sentence and we get some money back, at the end of the day, it's, it's justice. It's justice that we wanted to be seen to be served because it's the, it's the community. And for us, it was just knowing that she's admitted it and, and that justice has been, seen, has been seen to be served. How long then, because obviously you, you found all this out in 2018 that it had been going on, you went through yeah. all of the, the accounts, which must have taken ages. How long had the fraud itself been going on for? Do you, how long had it gone back? It went back to 2010 and possibly before, but we could not access bank accounts over seven years old. So um, 2010 for six to eight years. Mm. 
an awfully long time. And as you say, over that yes. time, that amount of money could have done so much. For Absolutely. And, and at the end of it, the children at the, the core of everything that we do and the people that have suffered most, you know, are the children. Jill, you said, you know, when you sat down with the, the police officer, you, you just wept. I mean, can you, can you, I don't want to get you too upset because I can see today how, you know, how heartfelt. Oh, we, cried in court. we cried in court today. We did. We did cry in court. Um, I just think that anyone to defraud charity is despicable and particularly a children's charity. Um, to, dr to draw a wage for a voluntary position is wrong. And then to steal alongside drawing that wage just compounds it. And for us, it was the fact that it was, I wasn't there at the time, but the girls were. It was the fact that she was in a trusted position and a friend. And it was heartbreaking to actually uncover invoice after check after invoice. It, we, we just cried. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable that what good could have been done with that money that, that hasn't. And like we say, it's the children. Now the preschool is on the site of Bapchild and Tong Primary School and since January this year has officially become part of the school and renamed Bapchild Nursery. The charity will continue to operate for the foreseeable future so that it can receive any money retrieved through what's known as a confiscation order. The Kent Online Podcast with Serenity Parks. Other top stories today, and there are yet more calls for the results of surge testing that happened in part of Kent to be made public. 10,000 people were asked to do COVID tests in and around the ME15 part of Maidstone after a case of the South African variant was discovered. Well, the swabs were done earlier this month, but the results still aren't known. Roger Goff is the leader of Kent County Council. I don't believe that all have been sequenced yet. I think so far, you know, there's been quite a lot that has happened. And uh, so far, the evidence is, uh, as I say, that we're not seeing evidence of the uh, South African variant uh, spreading more widely. But we have been strongly of the view that we want to see that data and see it very soon because uh, the community, and when I say see it, that it's publicly available because the uh, community, I think, responded magnificently to uh, what happened. You know, we got out there. We and other partners got out there, got uh, 8,000 odd tests done in three days. Uh, and the community responded to that and responded to it very positively. And I think there's a real danger if uh, we don't get the information coming back from that uh, from a national level in a timely fashion. So uh, I think it is important. But so far, the evidence suggests that we've not seen any evidence of, um, uh, as I say, of, of wider transmission of the South African variant. Meantime, latest data shows almost a third of adults in Kent have now received at least one dose of a coronavirus vaccine. More than 430,000 people have had their first jab and 25,000 have had both. A million adults in the county are still waiting, though, and if the rate of delivery continues, it could take another 88 days to get to them all. News on some more covid idiots and a woman's been fined for breaking lockdown rules after posing for a photo shoot in clown makeup on a bridge near Sevenoaks. The gracious lane crossing over the A21 had to be closed to traffic following an emergency response at the weekend. More than 
180 other fines were handed out across the county, with officers breaking up a beach party in Folkestone and a car rally in Greenhithe. Meantime, the owner of a Dartford gym has been fined for breaching COVID rules and given a prohibition notice. Police were called to Reflections Muscle and Fitness Centre in West Hill following reports it was operating as normal during lockdown. A number of men are understood to have been found training, although that's been denied by the owner. Local councils in Kent have been forced to draw £35 million from rainy day funds to deal with the coronavirus crisis. We've analysed the budgets set by authorities across the county to see what financial impact the pandemic is having. While bosses in some areas are warning they'll have to use even more of their emergency reserves unless they get more money from the government. Chancellor Rishi Sunak will announce details of his budget next week. And finally, on COVID news today, a Kent mum has been described her experience of having a baby during the pandemic and says it's been incredibly lonely. While some predicted a baby boom as couples spent more time together in lockdown, national figures show that hasn't happened. In fact, birth rates have fallen and those who have given birth in the past year have faced hospital appointments alone and no baby groups for support. Samantha Saville from Northfleet had her daughter in October and has shared her story with the Kent Online podcast. I'd be lucky I haven't caught COVID, but I did really isolate myself from everybody whilst I was pregnant because at the time they wasn't really sure that like pregnant pregnant women were high risk. They wasn't really sure if there could be any issues if a, if a pregnant woman caught it with, with regards to the baby. Leading up to the birth was a lot more difficult because obviously I was isolated a lot and obviously going to the scans and things like that on my own where like my partner really struggled with that because he was so involved with the the boys that like my older two um and their scans came to every scan and you know like our gender to find we found out what was happening and, and he missed out on all that sort of thing so yeah it was different and like I had really bad anxiety about the birth because I'd heard so many stories about them the, your partner's not being allowed in until you're so many centimeters dilated um and actually with my boys my mum and my partner were both my birthing partners um and that's something that was tough because my mum was devastated that she wouldn't be a birthing partner again because um, obviously he was, he was only allowed one, so it was just me and my partner. And yeah, the anxiety leading up to that was tough because um, I was so worried about him not being able to come in with me and being in pain on my own, um, you know, just not having that support network. When my, my pain started, I laboured at home for as long as I could. Um, and then I, when I went in, I they examined me and I was six centimetres dilated so he was allowed to come in straight away which was lucky so so yeah so and, and to be fair the birth other than me leading up to it it it, it was fine really the, the midwives were good he was allowed in um he was allowed to stay afterwards any difference that I found with the hospitals was the fact that my partner couldn't go to the scans or any appointments with me when I had the boys people came to visit at the you know came to visit the, the babies when I had them at the hospital whereas that wasn't allowed it was a lonelier experience my mum especially we're really close and she's always helped me with the kids and then you know, my, my partner went back to work after a couple of weeks and 
then um, we just, got, just had to get on with it, you know. Like, whereas my mum would normally, like, come and pick up the kids from school or take them out for a couple of hours just to give me a break. But so not having that extra support has been hard. She doesn't know anyone, you know. Like, she's not met any of my friends or family. My mum's, again, my mum's like, oh, I haven't got a bond with her. She gets upset over it. She bonded early with the ba- with the boys. So, yeah, just stuff like that, really, it's tough. Kent Online News. The only bar in Kent that will stock wine from all seven of the county's top producers is due to open this summer. Plans for the Tudor Peacock in Chillum near Canterbury have been submitted to the council. Developers are hoping to convert a former antiques and gift shop. A famous Sheppey landmark has been fenced off because of safety concerns. The clock tower in Sheerness Town Centre has been inspected as part of plans to repaint it, but several serious defects have been found. In fact, you can see pictures at kentonline.co.uk. Major work will need to be carried out now to make sure it isn't dangerous. And people in Tunbridge Wells have been left pretty angry after the town was spelt wrong on a TV show. Don't know if you saw it last night, but the name appeared on screen with an O instead of a U in last night's episode of Interior Design Masters. It's presented by Alan Carr and featured a makeover of three shops in the Pantiles. Kent Online Sport. Football now and the Gillingham manager has criticised his players and the referee following their 1-0 defeat to AFC Wimbledon. The Jills were beaten by the League One strugglers after a goal in the 89th minute. Boss Steve Evans thinks his side missed out on a penalty, but he's not happy with their overall performance. It wasn't just about the penalty, was it? First half, we were poor. Two poor teams in the first half. Well, the two relegated teams, to be fair, in the first half. We were as bad as them. We made the changes. We stepped out with all the play, all the purpose. Half chances, massive chance for Oliver. I mean, as a striker, you have to score them. And the guy said a good strike, but I think it's gone through my goalkeeper's arms. I think it's gone through the gate, as we call it. He's overdived, I think, but managed to look at it back, to, in fairness to him. But it's a big decision, isn't it? Eight and a half minutes on the clock. Ball's rolled up, and he's, he sees his arm come fully out, fully out. But the referee was poor all night, so for both teams, he was poor all night. We should be coming here and winning, they're a poor side. People are right with the like, they're a poor side. And um, we've done our homework to know that we should be beating teams like that. And we didn't. We credit to them. You know, Robbo got a wonderful shift at them when they, in the first half when they were working so hard. I think when we had a bit of quality with our game, they couldn't get near us. And it showed. And, um, but you have, to take the, you have to take the chance. I think three or four balls across the box, we could deliver better crosses because we've had lots of them. Um, you know, and then you, you just hope that the decision goes in your favour when it's as clear cut as that. You can't turn up and play like that for 45. That's the that's the hurtful thing tonight. Not not them getting a late winner. I've been a manager 20 years. I've had loads of late winners against me. Oh, often sometimes against a runner play. Sometimes it's for me, but it's going against a runner play. We're totally dominant. But um, you have to win games like this. There's a lack of focus. Uh, there's a lack of knowing what what standard you have to be at to win games, and that's the inconsistency. You have the second half performances which is very, very good. And then the league would look at that second half performance I think that's a worry when we play them. If they'd have looked at the first half, they'd think it's going to be comfortable, wouldn't they? You can't, you can't have that massive, massive difference in performance from the first half to the second half. 
They're currently 15th in the table and travel to take on Portsmouth at the weekend. And in cricket, Kent's Zach Crawley was the only shining light for England on a pretty disappointing first day of the third test against India. England were all out for just 112 with the Kent player top scoring with 53. The series is currently tied at one all. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app. That will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. To do it, just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.